I don't always envy the job of an NBA head coach and coaching staff, but putting together rotations is a lot more fun when you have a solid roster like this Kings team has. How deep is Mike Brown's rotation going to be? Who's going to be at the end of the rotation? Who's going to be just outside of it? Kenny Caraway from ESPN 1320's D'Lo and Casey joins me to discuss that, Keegan Murray, and more right here on Locked on Kicks. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm the Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. Kenny Caraway, a good friend of mine, a good colleague of mine, spent a lot of time with him and D'Lo on D'Lo and KC, ESPN 1320's daily radio show, which you can catch out uh, from noon to four o'clock every single day on, uh, if you're in Sacramento, just turn your, uh, your, your frequencies to uh, 1320 AM, or you can, of course, watch their show on YouTube, which I highly recommend. Make that part of your rotation. A lot of you listeners already listen to D'Lo and Casey. Uh, you know who you are. Thank you so much for supporting both of us and, and continuing to support Kings Talk and Sports Talk, period. Um, no matter who you're getting it from, as long as you're supporting somebody in this industry, uh, it's it's awesome and it, and it keeps us all going. So thank you so much for that. But I had Kenny on because I knew he was going to have some thoughts on this Kings rotation. I knew he was going to have some thoughts on on uh, who Mike Brown should be looking at, who Mike Brown should be putting his uh, his faith in right out of the gate, any potential changes to the starting lineup, uh, and 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 what training camp is really going to look like, even though we're still a little bit of a ways away from that, and the roster hasn't been quite finalized yet. So. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kenny. We also want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts. Let us know who you think the Sacramento Kings should, uh, or how deep you think their rotation should be. Eight, nine, 10, 11 guys. Uh, who is in that rotation? If you'd adjust the starting lineup, who you're putting in there and why, uh, send those to us. You can, of course, comment on the YouTube comment section down below if you're watching on YouTube, or if you're listening, you can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. Uh, on Twitter, and you can email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Kenny Caraway. We're still a bit of a ways away from the start of training camp, but once again, Mike Brown and his coaching staff have their work cut out for them building this rotation. We have no idea what he's going to do. I don't even know why we try and get to the head of Mike Brown, but we're going to do the best we can. Kenny Caraway from ESPN 1320's D'Lo and Casey. He's the KC in D'Lo and Casey. Nice enough to join me here uh, back on the Lockdown Kings podcast. KC, I'm just trying to kill time, my man. I, the summer league is fine, but now that Keegan Murray's not playing, like I'm, I'm starving for real Kings basketball. I've been going through watching videos of like, the Golden One Center, not just during the playoffs, but hype moments throughout the season. I think this year is about to be pretty special. No, oh, I, I I agree 100%, man. I think the Kings, this isn't a flash in the pan. This isn't a one-hit wonder. I think they're here to be a, a perennial playoff team and eventually, maybe even as soon as next year, a championship contender. This isn't a one-of-one. One. This is the beginning of something. And I'm with you on summer league. I, Matt, you know, I love basketball crazy, right? Like I just was pulling up the, the basketball tournament uh, bracket. You know, I'm like, yo, I can't wait. The TBT is going down. I can't wait. WNBA, all this other stuff. I love it. Summer league early. I love it. 
this is awful. <laughs> this Vegas summer league is awful. You know what I mean? Like you get your, you get your top rookies, you know, whether it's in the California classic or in the first weekend of summer league and then watchable. So got to do what they got to do. Cause you know, it makes money and it's still basketball. I'm not going to totally blow it off, but this is, this is not bad basketball. I mean, this is not good basketball. And like I said, uh, I was telling telling my wife, and I was telling D'Lo as well. The guys that are on the court, they're actually really good. Like I've played with guys who are in summer league, you know, go to these things, super talented. Like they can hoop. This is not a talent issue. It's something about when they all get together that it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. The cameras caught Coach Luke Louts on the sidelines a couple times with his hands on his hips going, I don't know if I have enough time to fix any of this. <laughs> he just Sometimes he looks like he wants to give up, but that's what Summer League is. We have seen Jordan Ford ball out. We've seen good moments from Colby Jones. Uh, the, this roster is yet to be finalized, but Kenny, uh, Mike has been very open, really going back to midway through last season about how easy it is to get from bad to good, but how hard it is to get from good to great. So he would say immediately that his job this season is going to be a lot harder, but going into training camp, building a rotation, do you think that training camp building rotation, fine playing time for this group? Now that the majority of them have played together, do you think this is an easier task for him or still a, a more difficult task of finding the right rotation for this group? Well, in some respects, it's going to be easier. Um, the the cohesion, the chemistry that these guys are going to have in their second year together, um, just really fine tuning what the game plan is, as opposed to teaching it and implementing it. You know, like you did last year. That everybody knows their role. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do on both sides of the basketball. So in that aspect, it's going to be easier. But I understand where Mike Brown and anybody else say it might be a little harder. Because now you've got expectations. Now you've got a little bit of a target. We saw last year um, towards the middle to the end of the season, teams would like really revel in not letting the beam be lit. Like they, they caught on and they were like, oh, no, you ain't letting the beam on me. And when they would beat the Kings, no, not just the social media, like players were like, no beam tonight. Like, there's a target because yeah, we love the beam and all this other stuff. And it seems like silly enough, but it's a, it's that little extra umph for some of these teams to, to get up uh, for, for the Kings on certain nights to make sure they're not lighting the beam or if they're in Sacramento, they don't hear the crowd chant like the beam and all this other stuff. So there's little things like that where they're not going to sneak up on anybody uh, like they did maybe for half the season last year. So those things are tough. I agree with what you said and what coach Mike Brown probably would say as well. It's easy to go from a C team to a B team, but to go from a B team to an A team, that takes a little extra. And that's something that you, you know, you see if this team can handle. I believe they can. One of the things I've talked about, uh, Matt, with, with Damian a lot of the times is if you look at this roster and you look at this team, what I love about this team is they're all about basketball. They're all about basketball. All these guys from one to 15. They're just about who it starts with your best guys, De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, not saying that, you know, the guys that are single or anything like that are just running around crazy. Not saying that, but these are two family men who don't like to do anything, but go to work and come home. You know, they're not hanging out. They're not doing anything extra. They're locked in on their jobs, locked in on their careers. 
every second of the day. And when they're not locked in on the careers, it's just about the family. So you expect them to stay locked in on basketball. Kevin Herter's a hooper. All he cares about is getting better at basketball. Keegan Murray's not into any of that other stuff. All he's worried about is basketball. We know how Harrison Barnes is. Malik Monk, he said when he got here, he said, man, I'm a country boy, man. I, I ain't for this big city life or nothing like this. I think Sacramento fits in perfectly, give him the perfect blend of city and country. And he's worried about basketball. Davion, come on, Davion Mitchell, we already we already know what his his. They got to get him to is. care less about basketball. Exactly, exactly. So I don't think motivating these guys or getting them focused or getting them in the gym is going to be an issue at all. And that's what, to go back to what I originally said, may make it a little easier than, than normal for, for Mike Brown. I feel one of the big advantages to running it back or to re-signing Harrison Barnes, Trey Lyles, Alex Len, which I know some Kings fans weren't necessarily too happy about. I think it's something that none of us are really going to see. Mm. And I think it's the fact that this group can hit the ground running from the start of training camp. Mm -hmm. Mike Brown can use every second of this training camp. He's still going to have to incorporate new guys like Sasha and Mm. Duarte and other names that we might talk about. But for the most part, this core is the same and they're going to try and not reestablish what they did last year. They're going to try to build upon it. Do mm-hmm. you see that as an advantage, especially when I know Mike likes to push uh, as much practice time as he possibly can over the course of the season and he doesn't like to waste a second. So do you see that as a distinct advantage for this group going into training camp? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the the cohesiveness, the the chemistry, it's something that a number of different franchises have talked about with their own success. You talk about Denver and what they were able to do, the cohesion and the chemistry um, with Jamal Murray, Jokic, Aaron Gordon, guys like that. And to implement a new guy, they just fall in line with what they're supposed to do. You talk about the Warriors and what they've done for the better part of the last decade. You know, the core of that group has been together and, and with Steve Kerr. And, and all they've had to do every year was just – implement a new piece here and there and and ingratiate them to what they already do. So on a smaller scale, I know those guys, all those teams have been together five years plus. It's the second year for the Kings, so it's not as seamless, but I still think it's going to be a big advantage. You know, there, there's a there's a, a, a way to play basketball that was established last year, and everybody bought into it, and everybody now sees that it works as winning basketball. And they're going to follow that same formula again this year and implement guys like Sasha, implement guys like Kobe Jones into what they do and say, this is how we play basketball here. This is what we do here in Sacramento. It's proven to work, and and this is what we're going to go by. So I think it's a, a big uh, plus for them to just be able to come in and, and uh, expand on things they've already established as opposed to trying to establish. Last year, Mike Brown was trying to establish a way to play basketball, trying to establish a way to be a team, trying to establish a way to be accountable at all times. That groundwork has already been laid. Now, okay, I got this quirk for how we play defense. I got this quirk. Jake Toronto has this quirk for how we we run our offense and this, this counter for what everybody. Now it's just schematically what you want to do. Now it's just uh, working on game plans. And I tell this is a smaller scale, but, you know, I coach little 10 and 11 year old kids and I tell them my job isn't to win the um, April Fool's Jam at Hardwood Classic. Like nobody cares about that. You're in fourth grade. Like that's (laughs) nobody cares. My job as a coach is to make sure you're ready to play 
that you know how to play basketball by the time you get to high school. So when you get to a coach, the only thing a coach has to do is implement his style and, and his strategy, not teach you how to box out, not teach you how to defend, not teach you how to make the right post-entry pass, all this other stuff. If they have to do that, they're already behind the eight ball. If they can just say, hey, this is what I like to do in my defense and I want you to implement it, cool, that's good. You're already ahead of everything. And I use that analogy to say, that's the same thing here with Mike Brown. He doesn't have to teach any of these guys how he wants to play basketball. He's just implementing strategy at this point. And that's why bringing these guys back was such a plus. Sorry it was such a long-winded answer, but I mean, I, I think it is a plus to bring a lot of these guys back. No, I love it. I love the insight, Kenny. And and as it stands right now, the roster, do you even consider changing the starting lineup? I'm sure we'll get training camp context, but I would be shocked to see any kind of changes come to at least that starting five. Yeah, I'm not interested in it. I know a lot of people on the show, they come in and what if Harrison, you know, can go to the bench? And Harrison's not a bench player right now. Come on, man. I, I know there's some frustration with Harrison Barnes from time to time, but listen to make no bones about it. This is a starting small forward in this league, and he's proven that year after year. So he's not going to the bench. The other part about that as well is as well as Keegan Murray played in the California Classic and as much as he showed in the California Classic, I'm still not at the point where I'm saying he's a small forward. I don't know if he can move on the defensive end well enough to guard other wing players consistently. And I don't know if he has the wiggle in his game just yet to be a guy that you put on the perimeter primarily. He's shown me when people were saying that when he was drafted that he could do that. I scoffed at that as the season went along. I said, oh, maybe he can. I see a little bit more than I originally thought. And it started to open my eyes up to it a little bit more. And then in summer league, I saw him be the number one guy from the perimeter and be able to get to different spots on the floor and create his offense. And it opened my eyes a little bit more. I'm, I think eventually he probably could get there, but I don't think he's there right now. So because of that, I'm not messing with the starting lineup. Obviously, you got Kevin Herter at the two. Perfectly fine with that. And you just run that starting five back uh, to start this season. And it was a successful starting five. I wouldn't mess with it at all. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. I hope you know how important therapy is. And I hope that if you're skeptical about giving therapy a try, know that you're not alone, but understand that therapy can help you no matter what you're going through, whether you have significant major problems and trauma and things that you need to unpack. And I always encourage you to seek that help if you need it, especially when we can all get into those dark places. Or if you just have small daily problems like the majority of us have, little things that maybe we think, ah, I don't need therapy for that. It's not a big enough problem for therapy. I'm telling you, being able to talk through some of these issues and some of the things that you go through, you could end up unpacking deeper issues that are connected to it that you have no idea about, but ultimately it helps you take care of your mind, helps you take care of yourself. It's a wonderful thing to do. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist right away. And here's the cool thing. You can switch therapists at any time. If maybe that connection with the, that therapist that you're assigned with, maybe it, maybe it doesn't work for you. And that connection with therapists is so important. Myself uh, and my therapist, TJ, we've known each other. I started seeing him uh, when uh, I was going, when we were all going through COVID and he's been my therapist ever since. And he's been 
tremendously instrumental in my life. So you have to establish that connection. You can do that without any extra charge on BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today. You can get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. How deep is your rotation at this point? Is it nine guys, 10 guys, maybe even beyond that? There's a lot of talent on this roster already, and it's not even finalized. Mm, yeah, it's, it's a deep roster, man. It's a deep roster. And I got it at 10, um, 10 max. You know, I could see the 11th guy being kind of in the role that Terrence Davis was in last year, or maybe he doesn't play five games. And then Mike Brown asked, I'm my 11th guy right now is probably Colby Jones. So maybe he asked Colby Jones to come in there. Um, you know, every five games to uh, for a defensive matchup or just to give a different look or something like that. But the core 10, obviously, you got the five that I just named. You got Davion as the backup. You got Malik as the backup, excuse me, backup point guard. You got Malik as the backup shooting guard. Um, you probably today would go Chris Duarte as your three, you know, kind of an undersized three. But coming off the bench, it doesn't matter that much. But I'd have Duarte. In that situation is your backup two three situation. Obviously, Sasha is your your backup four. And right now, I'd go with Trey Lyles as your backup five in a, in a small ball five. I haven't seen enough from Kata. I think Alex Lynn would also be in that Terrence Davis role where you you play him every few games uh, to keep him keep him fresh and keep him engaged. But he's not somebody that's going to be. Um, your backup centered night in and night out. So I think it's going to be Sasha and Trey Lyles uh, playing those backup big roles um, night in and night out. So we're about 10. But like I mentioned, you've got Kessler Edwards. You've got Colby Jones. You've got Alex Lynn. Maybe they do see something in Kata. And you've got uh, uh, Nimi Kata uh, back there. So this is a team that, legit has 12, 13 guys that could get on the floor. Now, I don't think that's going to be the rotation. I think Mike Brown's going to keep it tight. But this goes into play when you talk about an injury, you know, possibly happen. You got a guy that could step in for a week and a half, maybe two weeks, and hold it down while the other guy gets gets healthy and gets back into things. So um, I think it'll be a 10-man rotation with the option uh, of maybe two others every now and then. People are going to think we talked beforehand and worked this out beforehand, but we, I promise you we didn't. I'm the exact same. Like the 10 is the exact same, and Colby being that 11 to me, uh, he's right on that cusp. And I think like what, what Colby's, in my opinion, what Colby's meal ticket is into a rotational spot, I don't think it'll happen right away, but over the course of the season, I think his rebounding is a direct like mm. – Kings could use that right now. And we saw how many times do we see Kenny on the defensive end and on rebounding at times, Mike would just look at his bench and go, you give me something. Chemezi, mm -hmm. give me something. Terrence, give me something. Like, I think Colby's the first guy that he's saying, Colby, get in there and give me something. I think that rebounding, his rebounding ability, I mean, his passing ability is great too. I think he's leading the summer league team in assists or he's up mm -hmm. there for, for a wing player. He's showing his ability to space the floor. So offensively, you can see how he fits. But his rebounding ability is so special. And, and Kenny, you were a hooper. Like, you know what it takes to rebound. I, I tweeted this out last night. The ball just seems to find him, which is mm -hmm. a nice, somewhat condescending way of saying his positioning is really, really good. He's, mm -hmm. He puts in the work to be right in the right spot, reads the ball well off the rim. It reminds me of like young Kevin Love. Now, I'm not saying he's that good, but you know what I mean? Like Kevin Love, the ball would just land in Kevin Love's lap and he wouldn't have to work that hard. Like it feels that way a little bit with Colby Jones. What do you what do you think about and what does it take to be that good of a rebounder? 
No, you you said it, man. Um, being a, alert and being aware, being tapped in to what's going on in the court at all times can help a guy like Kobe Jones and guys that rebound at the wing position like that um, be effective and be effective rebounders. I've heard people talk about it uh, a number of different times since we drafted them, uh, since the Kings drafted them. I say we. It's come on, man. We already know what they do. We have a good time with it, right? Since we drafted them, I'm not afraid of come at me, man. I ain't afraid of saying it. Um, it's your team every day, so I can say I can say we. Um, since the Kings drafted them, the, the comparisons to Josh Hart and Josh Hart does a great job of of tracking the basketball off the shot, right? Like as soon as the shot goes up, you know he he's. Uh, ball hawking to a certain degree where that ball may come off the boards and, and, and putting himself in position. It's doing the work before the shot even is in the air to be in position and to be alert to where you might want to be uh, to get that rebound. And Kobe has those same type of instincts um, in so far in what we've seen in summer league. And I think that does, um, that is something that could carry over to, to the big club and, and to the NBA basketball as well. So, um, I love seeing that from him. Once again, it's about getting the work done early. I tell my kids that all the time. Get the work done early. Box out early. If the shot goes up, offensive player, you could box out too. We talk about that as a, as a defensive player, but if, if you're crafty, you could do the same thing as an offensive player and get positioning early and track the basketball uh, early so you can be you can get a step or two on that defensive player and get on the offensive boards. And I know we were talking about rebounding in general, but I see Kobe being a guy that can do a great great job on the offensive boards from the wing position as well. So uh, I, I like his grit. You know, I like to say he's tougher than a $2 stake. Um, you know, Mike Brown can look at him, put him in the game and know that he's going to compete and not saying that nobody else on that team competes, but that's something that's vital that you can rely on. He's going to compete every time. Is he going to win that battle every time? I don't know. I doubt he ain't going to win it every time, but I, I know he's going to give uh, 110% for the five, six minutes that he's in the game. And that's a, that's a welcome sight. Do you have any concerns at all with, with uh, Vizenkov at the backup four and Trey Lyles at the backup five? And I'm curious your answer to this because we might once again be on the same page with this. How do you think that that those two holding those spots down is going to work with that second unit? Um, Rebounding-wise, I don't. I think they'll be fine on the boards. Um. Offensively, I don't think there'll be an issue either. Uh, but defensively, if you get uh, Sasha in certain switches and certain matchups, I, I want to see how he can move on the NBA level on the defensive end. That would be my one concern with, with having uh, him. And Trey Lyles isn't the greatest perimeter defender as well. So he's somebody, if you get those two out there at the same time and they get caught on I, I mean, he's not in the league anymore or anything like, but somebody like a Lou Williams, you know, or a Terrence Ross, or, you know, he's not on the Warriors anymore, but Jordan Poole, you know, I, those guys coming off the bench or if the, the minutes are staggered where you do have Dame Lillard out there with some of your second unit guys and, you know, they're just running pick and roll to death on Trey Lyles or, or Sasha, that may be a bit of a concern, but you know what? I mean, that's a concern for your starters. That's a concern for anybody in the league when you talk about guys that dynamic in their offensive game. I mean, they're great for a reason. So you're not going to stop them, but that's where the team defense is going to come into play. And you guys are going to have to have a, a, a great plan and a great game plan to team defensively be able to help out guys 
who aren't as well, aren't as good on the perimeter uh, guarding those guys. That would be my only concern. I think a guy like Sasha, who is MVP uh, in EuroLeague, he's going to come here and he's going to see a lot of wide open shots. He's going to see a lot of one-on-one. And I think he's going to eat offensively. That, that shot is is official. It is pure. And I think that's something that's going to transfer. He's going to get a bunch of wide open looks from De'Aaron Fox. It's one of those things that happened last year, and I don't see it changing. Teams are going to have to figure out, are we going to try and guard Fox one-on-one, fast, one of the fastest guys, if not the fastest guy in the league, where I just talked about Dame Lillard on all these other guys. I'm not going to stay in front of them. You're not going to stay in front of De'Aaron Fox one-on-one. So are you going to guard him one-on-one, or are you going to bring some help and leave a sharpshooter like Vezinkov wide open for a three-pointer where he's just licking his licking his lips like, man, I'm getting these type of looks out here now, and I, I don't have to be four feet behind the three-point line. I could just measure it. This is, this is shooting fish in a barrel. Once again, I don't know why you'd want to shoot fish in a barrel, but this is shooting fish in a barrel for, for the EuroLeague MVP. So I think he's, he's going to flourish with the, the lack of attention, so to speak, that he sees here in the NBA compared to what he would see in EuroLeague. See, Kenny, I actually don't think we're going to see a lot of Vazenkov and Trey Lyles on the floor together. Mm. I'm basing that off of Mike Brown's rotations. Mike likes to stagger Fox and Sabonis. I mean, hell, mm-hmm. De'Aaron Fox was the first guy he subbed out every single night, which is crazy to think right. about, but it worked. Right. I think DeMontis Sabonis and Sasha Vazenkov are going to be on the floor together mm. a lot because the call. same way Kevin Herter plays off, and I and shout out to Brendan Nunes because he pointed this out on, on Locked on Kings earlier this week. Like the same way Kevin Herter runs off of Sabonis and plays off of Sabonis so well. I see Vezinkov being a taller, longer, maybe a bit slower, but mm. just as good of a version of that. So you can stagger Vezenkov in uh, with Fox and Sabonis together with one of the two of them. Like you said, Fox is going to draw a crowd, so he'll be open on the perimeter, or you can play off of Sabonis. Mm-hmm. And then you can do the exact same thing with Trey Lyles, and then Trey Lyles can hold that five spot down when Sabonis needs to take a break for 12 mm. to 15 minutes a night. So, I mean, I think, that's what I think is going to be the fun part of putting these to- together, these rotations for Mike Brown. You talk about um, uh, Sasha Vazenkov licking his lips. I imagine that Kings coaching staff is looking at this going, man, we got options. Like we can, yeah. we can pair a lot of these different guys together. That's what I think training camp is going to be all about is I think we're going to, when the media gets in there and that's usually at the scrimmage time at the end of practice, I think we're going to see a lot of really weird scrimmage combinations because they're going to test mm-hmm. out just partnerships and how guys mm-hmm. work together. Because if they can find two or three groups that they feel confident in for different spots of the game, man, I don't know how you beat the Kings. No, that's a, that's a great call, man. And I can see, think about the matchup issues that might present with with the bigs, where Sasha's out there running around in the Kevin Herter role. I mean, it's one thing to have uh, I mentioned him like Josh Hart guarding uh, Kevin Herter and, and running off the dribble handoffs and you know fighting through those screens and stuff like that. They're built for that. They're used to that. Those guards are they've done that their entire lives. So you know that's that's nothing new for them. But think about I don't know. I'm just throwing a name out there. Think about Ke- Kevon Looney trying to run on the dribble handoff and keep up with Sasha or Keegan Murray, whoever's at that four. I mean that's when you that's when you run teams off the court in that situation, because it's not that uh, Looney or any of these other guys are bad defenders, but they're getting in situations that they're not familiar with having to guard a triple hand, a dribble handoff situation at the three point line and, and learning how to blow up screens or, you know, uh, or run through screen. They No, it's a problem. So that's a great call by you because that will, uh, I believe, create a whole lot of matchup problems for other teams 
and Jay Toronto, this guy going to have a field day. This guy going to have a field day. Jay Toronto, I know I don't want Jordy Fernandez to ever leave, you know, because he's a great coach, but I know that's his destiny. He's going to be a head coach somewhere. I don't think we talk about Jay Toronto. I don't want Jay to ever leave. Jay, I, look, if he gets a head coaching job, I'll be happy for him, but I want him to stay here in Sacramento forever. As Cardi B would say, okay, I want him here forever because I love his offensive mind. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Their shorts, their khaki pants, anything that you get from Bird Dogs, you can know is high quality. You can know looks great and is also extremely comfortable. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look so you can show off some of that definition. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better and are far more affordable. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made out of that stiff, you know, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs doesn't have uh, any like that. They use anti-stink sweat whack, uh, wicking fabric that also keeps you cool and dry all day long. That's why I love wearing their khaki shorts uh, when I go out and play golf. They're extremely comfortable and great for that too. Go to birddogs.com slash NBA and look at their catalog. You're going to find something that you want. And when you order that, use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You'll get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your purchase. That's birddogs.com slash LOCKEDONNBA or promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I can guarantee it. You said, and I, I agree with you, you you still need to see more about uh, Keegan Murray playing and holding down the three spot. But what do you think about Keegan Murray being ready to be the third leading scorer and that third scoring option for this Kings team. They lacked that in the NBA playoffs. And I think Keegan Murray had the opportunity in the California classic to show what he was capable of. And then he dropped 29 and 41 granted it's against California classic summer league competition, but I mean, what, what else did you want to see? He gave you everything you wanted to see. So what do you think about Keegan's readiness to be the third leading scorer on this Kings team this year? You know, sometimes I hesitate putting that on his table, putting that on the, on his on his plate um, in his second year. You know, to say, "Hey, I need you to be the third best guy here. I need you to go from from twelve point nine, I think, points per game to seventeen. You know, I, I feel like that's a lot sometimes. But when you see him play, you see the confidence that he has. I think he might be ready, Matt. I think he might be ready. I, at the very least, I think he's ready to. Um, to to take over maybe Harrison's role on this one. And so if you looked at the the squad last year, then you would say, you know, scoring wise or you know, scoring load wise, Fox, uh, Sabonis, Harrison, Herder, kind of one and the same, and then Keegan. I think clearly it's Fox, Sabonis, one, two, and I think Keegan's probably ready. I think he's ready to be that third score ahead of, of, of Herter and definitely ahead of, of Harrison Barnes in that respect. He just looks like he's ready, just a, a level of confidence, a level uh, of bounce to his game. It's not completely where I, I see the Chris Middleton comps the way a lot of people have been saying, but I see it a lot clearer than I did 12 months ago. I, I thought that was crazy talk 12 months ago. Then when people say Chris Middleton type guy, I was like, nah, he don't handle the rock. He's not shifty enough. I, I don't see that at all. And now here we are a year later. And oh, I see where it could get there. 
I could see where it could get there. And that's just what I'm seeing. He could already be there. He could already have that in his bag. And, and he's just unveiled it. I know his, his his father has said a number of times, oh, yeah, he's got that. He's got that. You, you guys had not seen half of it yet. He's got that. So I think that he's ready to assume the role, scoring-wise at least, being the number three scorer on this team, being a guy that, you know, in certain rotations, in certain situations, he could be uh, the primary scorer out there on the floor if Fox is sitting and Sabonis wants to get in his dribble handoff back and orchestrating the offense, that they could be looking for Keegan exclusively uh, with certain matchups. But everything that I've saw, everything I've seen, excuse me, everything that I've heard, it has me excited and salivating at the thought of the leap that he can make in his second season. Finally, Kenny, Keegan shared with us that that he's been working with De'Aaron Fox basically every single day of this offseason. Mm-hmm. Then the first mm-hmm. glimpse we get of him, he looks like a, a, a star scorer. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a coincidence. Like we've talked about different elements of Fox's leadership over the course of his entire career. That's been one of the like kind of topics around Fox's improvement for basically his entire here, career here in Sacramento. I know you got some love to share for Fox's leadership with what he's doing with Keegan, what he's doing with some of these other players, and for how he's emerged as a leader, not just a star, not just a leader in stat columns, but, I mean, he's truly leading this team, and we can see that in what he's doing with Keegan. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is leadership personified. You take the rookie you you after the best season of your career. You take the rookie. You say, come on, man, you're spending the summer with me. We're going to get in this gym. We're going to get better. And we're going to make sure that we do everything we can to help you reach your full potential. Mike Brown don't have to do that. Luke Louse doesn't have to do that. Um, Any other trainer, you know, Phil Handy or Rico Hines outside of the Kings, they don't have to do that. Ask your best player saying, no, come with me. We about to work. And that type of leadership is what has me confident with this team. What has me confident that this is just the beginning, like I talked about earlier, and not a one-hit wonder? Because these guys understand the assignment. De'Aaron Fox understands the assignment. He understands that I can't go backwards now. People people have seen that what I've known, I'm, I'm talking about De'Aaron Fox, I've known that I'm one of the best guards in the league, one of the best guards in the world. I've always known that, but now people are actually seeing it. I'm not going back to the fact where they're not thinking about me or they're not thinking about my team. I've had a little taste of it. I need more of this. And he looks at Murray, he looks at him of his teammates and says, you know what, it's my job to lead you guys. It's my job to help you guys reach your full potential so that this team reaches our full potential, that I, as, a, as an individual, can reach my full potential. And he's he's executing it all. I love the story of him uh, having Keegan under his wing and and even working out with him. And Keegan talked about they played one-on-one. I mean, that's going to help both of them. But that, that uh, Keegan Murray can't help but get better from that. I mean, you're a six, eight, six, nine forward trying to keep up with the fastest guard in the league and playing him one-on-one and using your uh, skills and learning different guard skills um, by playing with him every single day. Yeah, he's, he said he didn't beat him yet. Yeah, you're not going to beat him. That's a little bro right now. But I'm telling you one thing. He is going to learn so much and get so much better from just those battles and that working out uh, day in and day out. And we saw a little bit of it in the California Classic, and I don't think he's done. I think we'll see a lot more of it come the season. So uh, big shout-out to De'Aaron Fox, man, being the franchise player and being the leader that this franchise needs, man. We love to see it. 
We'll never underestimate the uh, the influence and motivation that a newborn baby can give you. And I'm not just talking about uh, rain to De'Aaron Fox. I'm talking about rain to Keegan Murray because I'm pretty <laughs> sure De'Aaron, if, if Keegan's not on the floor, De'Aaron and Rasay have have Keegan taking care of rain, and that might be Keegan yeah. on the floor this summer. Yeah, and and you know what that's like with Ryan and D'Lo. So. I'm telling you, man. I'm like, oh, man, I got to go to work today, man. Dang, I want to be here, but I got to get out the house. Dang, sorry. Yeah, they, they working on their game all the time. Because <laughs> they're like, you got to get out the house, man. Come on, let's go work. Kenny, can't wait to, to see you as usual on D-Lo and KC. Can't wait to see you back in the Golden 1 Center. It's going to be here soon enough, but mm -hmm. it's a long time coming. We'll have some Niners football and some NFL football to kill the time a little bit before then. But you do great work over there. I appreciate you as always, my guy. Uh, and we'll do it again soon. Man, anytime. Keep killing it, man. You're doing a phenomenal job with this, man. I enjoy it. Uh, this is hard to do. <laughs> this locked on every single day. I can only imagine. But you do a great job of it, man. Keep keep killing it, man. Big thank you to Kenny for joining me here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Really appreciate his kind words there uh, at the end of the interview. He's a not only is he just an incredible basketball mind, someone who I'm very, very blessed to be able to work with and interact with in my career. He's also just a great friend and a great person, too. So check out the work that he and D'Lo do on D'Lo and KC. Also, uh, the J Street Vibes podcast, Kenny. Uh, pairs up with Jason Jones of The Athletic. Spent, of course, a long time on the Sacramento Kings beat uh, here with the Sacramento Bee. Uh, so the two of them do great work over there as well. So check all of that out. On tomorrow's Locked on Kings podcast, I'm scheduled to be joined by Tony East. He's the host of the Locked on Pacers podcast. He's going to tell us more about Chris Duarte, maybe speak a little bit about that drop-off between Chris Duarte's rookie season and his sophomore season, and he's going to share with us why he thinks that trade for the Kings was a great trade. So join me on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kings for that. I'm keeping the content rolling. I got some making up to do with the week that I missed because I was on vacation, but I'm glad to be back. I'm having fun pumping out content. I hope you're enjoying it as well. I appreciate you so much for listening to this episode of Locked on Kings. I'll see you next time. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.